0: Go! Colon cancer takes the life of Black Panther star Chadwick Boseman. He was a superhero in films and a true fighter in real life. Everything that you fought for was not for yourself, it was for those that come after. His shocking death at age 43 reflects how black men are at higher risk of getting and succumbing to colon cancer. Tonight, We will talk about the disease and why it strikes black men in higher numbers and what you can do to decrease your risk during our candid conversation about colon cancer. And Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our virtual NBC6 Voices on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Once again, I'm Jawan Strader. Well, as you just saw there, Chadwick Bozeman's death, while shocking, reflects a rise in colorectal cancer cases among young adults. Colorectal cancer also disproportionately impacts the Black community with the highest incidence and highest mortality rates. And if you have questions, we want you to ask them. We want to hear from you tonight about anything having to deal with colorectal cancer. Tonight's guests have firsthand experience with colon cancer. Please welcome tonight for our very important conversation, Shannon Lee Sin, she is a colon cancer survivor. Also welcome Fernando Cosme. he is as well. He had a battle with colon cancer. We're gonna talk to him and hear his story, both were diagnosed as young adults. And please welcome Dr. Charles Rogers, He is with the Huntsman Cancer Institute in Utah. Dr. Rogers' research focuses on understanding the barriers to care and colorectal cancer screening among African-American men. Thank you all for being here for this all-important conversation. So, Shannon, let's start with you. You started experiencing symptoms when you were up in high school, but you were misdiagnosed. Explain what happened. Shannon, you hear me? Okay, apparently we're having a little issue with uh, Shannon. We're gonna try to get with Shannon in in just a moment. Fernando, let's get to you while we work on Shannon's shot here. Fernando, let's talk about your cancer journey. Um, Initially, doctors didn't believe that
1: you were sick. No, they didn't. I was about 31 years old and I was complaining about some sharp stabbing pains from the inside of my stomach area and uh, I went to go see my primary care. I made my complaints, we did some blood tests and lab work and uh, he he didn't, he didn't find anything. And he just wrote it off as uh, me just having an, uh, an aggressive lifestyle. I was working in banking during the height of the, the market and and I was also a part-time DJ on the weekends. So he just thought that I was just overwhelmed and, and doing too much. So he was writing it off as anxiety and wanted to treat me uh, with anxiety medicine. Uh, Everywhere I would go, I would seek a second opinion, but of course they would ask you to give you the, uh, the name of your primary doctor and they would call him for, a, you know, just to follow up uh, my diagnosis and they would just follow along with what he said. I just had anxiety, that's all it was. Meanwhile, I continued to but, but,
0: but let's go back, let's rewind a little bit. Let's talk about some of the symptoms that you had when you found out that you did have colon cancer. Correct. What were some of those totally.
1: symptoms? symptoms were sharp pains in my in my stomach area I mean severe sharp pains that were crippling uh they would they would they would come they would, after after the fact I would realize that they would come after I would eat and my body was trying to process foods and uh, immediately after I would eat anything I would start feeling these sharp pains and uh, I felt like a stabbing uh feeling sensation uh it would totally cripple me I would have to go and lay down, sit down. I didn't know whether to stand, to walk. I just couldn't find a solution to the problem. And I tried to continue living my life on a day-to-day basis. I would go to work, but, you know, any time of the day at work, I would start feeling these sharp, excruciating pains. And I would have to go and isolate myself somewhere in the bathroom for hours on on end until the pains were received.
0: My goodness. And, And I want to hear more about when you found out that you have cancer. I want to go back to Shannon. Shannon, can you hear me?
2: Yes, I can hear you now. I'm sorry.
0: No, it's okay. This is technology. (laughs) This is what we're dealing with now, dealing with this COVID crisis and everything else. (laughs) I wanted to go back to my first question with you. I wanted to ask you about, you were diagnosed or you started getting symptoms in high school, but you were misdiagnosed. Talk about that.
2: Um, Just as Fernando said, I was in high school. I was in 11th grade, so 17, 18, and every morning I'd wake up with stomach pains and I'd end up going to school late. And I went to Dash, so I had like a two hour commute to to and from school. And um, I'd wake up with this stomach pain. And at night, there were nights when I felt like there was something trying to rip its way out of me. It felt like there was something in my body that just was moving around. And it it was pain that I can't even describe. And um, I went to the doctor, I went to the pediatrician and he told me I had a stomach ulcer. And he never did an endoscopy. And then when I got out of high school, about a year later, I saw blood in my stool and I went to the doctor at college. I was in New York at the time. I was away from home and he said, Oh, you probably have hemorrhoids. I left that school. and I went to school in Jamaica. And again, I was having stomach pains all the time. And I was like, well, maybe it's gas. Maybe it's this. Then I had diarrhea for like two weeks and I went to the doctor and I'm like, I have diarrhea and it's just not stopping. And he's like, "Oh, wow. you have gastroenteritis. and he gave me medication, and it didn't stop. I had it for another week, and then that. And stopped. still, you had
0: not been tested. You had not been tested, no. not in a colonoscopy or anything. Yeah, you just it, you just kept getting misdiagnosed, misdiagnosed, misdiagnosed.
2: Everything from a bladder infection to hemorrhoids to ovarian cysts, polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis. Nobody was looking at my digestive system and I was throwing up. I was constipated for weeks, not using the bathroom mat diarrhea. I was nauseous all the time. At one point I was anemic and even in the hospital and they said, "Oh, it's just your heavy periods." And I had a fever of 103, which is infection. And I said, "But if I'm anemic and I have a fever, I have an infection." And they're just like, "Oh, it's just your heavy periods." And it was months later. This is while I'm doing a bachelor's degree. I'm in and out of the emergency room and going through the emergency room Doped up constant, on pain meds,
0: too constant stomach issues, constant yes. pain. As you heard from Fernando, he, he just described the sharp pains that he was having. So, both of you guys are going through this constantly before but it wasn't just finally the pain, the pain and, and the the way you guys are. I'm sorry, but you're describing that pain, and it just sounds <laughs> I, I just can't imagine it because I, I get these stomach pains probably nothing anywhere near to what you guys went through right so when is it and and shannon we'll continue with your story when is it when you finally get that colonoscopy and then you hear those words that change your life forever
2: i never got that colonoscopy javon
0: you never got it
2: no so i went so when did you find out So I went through months in Jamaica and finally I finished school. I was doing architecture school and I managed to finish school. I don't even know how. And my mom said, come back to Miami, let's get another opinion. I had seen 20 doctors by that time, 20, at least 20 doctors. And been into every emergency room in Kingston, Jamaica almost, except for one. And it was when I came up to Miami, within a week I was uninsured um, because I was in Jamaica Hmm. going to school. I couldn't get Medicaid, I couldn't get Medicare. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna have these doctor's bills. No doctor wanted to see me without insurance. And finally it got to the point where I said, mom, you're either, I'm either gonna have to pay doctor's bills or you're gonna be paying for my funeral. And I said, let's go to the emergency room. And this wow. is when I'm 29. And I went to the ER at Jackson South and mm-hmm. a doctor did an ultrasound again and said I had cysts and sent me home. And finally, two days later, I went to the emergency room, the same one at Jackson South. And the doctors did an ultrasound, saw nothing, and said, let's do a CT scan. And that's when they saw an abscess in my abdomen this big. I was in sepsis. My body was shutting down. And it still took four more months because they couldn't get that inflammation and that infection down. They wanted to do a colonoscopy, which was less invasive than surgery. and I just never got rid of that infection. And so after the fourth admittance into the hospital in four months, the surgeon said, let's do exploratory surgery and see what's going on. So I went into surgery having no idea and woke up and heard you have stage three C colon cancer and you have a colostomy at 29. my
0: goodness, at 29. And I hear you getting emotional talking about that. (laughs) it, It changed your life. This changed your life
2: forever. Yes,
0: Fernando. Let's talk about you, and let's talk about when you went forward, and you finally did. Did you get that colonoscopy? Is that when you finally heard those words? Tell me about it.
1: So I'm looking at the Shannon story, and I I'm almost tearing because I remember <laughs> I remember you know you you suffer so much trying to get a, an answer, and and uh, I went just like her. I went from hospital to hospital all over South Florida. And of course, you know, you're being honest and they say, who's your primary care doctor? And I write his name down, his number, and they would call him and they would all just take a diagnosis. So no one would follow up or take an extra step. And it was it was only because, you know, real quick, sh- short story, it was only because my wife, who was a trainer at the time, was training the manager who was going to run the center where this my primary care position was at. And during casual conversation, during this one-on-one training with this manager that they brought down from New York City, uh is where my situation came up. And she asked for my permission to speak to my primary care physician about what was going on with me. And she asked him uh, if he had sent me to get a colonoscopy. And he said, no, I didn't think to do that because he's so young. I was like 31, 32 years old. And she goes, well, you know, would you be so kind as of to, uh, you know, write him a script? So the following day, I go to South Miami hospital, I do a colonoscopy and I wake up to find out that I have a, a four tumor in my colon uh phase 3c cancer uh they had to resection my colon i i battled not to get a colostomy bag because i thought i was gonna be the rest of my life uh but the inflammation wasn't so bad and i was able to recover from that surgery and everything else but that whole process took about six months and they you know and i i wish there was at least a second or third misdiagnosis but it just kept on reverting back to my original Primary care doctor who just kept on saying that I just had anxiety and they wanted to just treat me with Xanax and I couldn't I couldn't understand. Uh, wow. To me, I felt like to me, I felt like you're you're making this like a like I have a habit, uh, like it's all in my mind and it's not mm-hmm. and it's not this excruciating pain that was taking over my life. I was literally miserable, but I just had to. I, I figured okay, this is going to be the rest of my life. I'm going to have to deal with this on a day-to-day basis until you know God answered and and put me in that situation. And I'm glad for it because I'm alive today.
0: Amen. Amen. And we're going to hear more from you. I want to bring in um, Dr. Rogers in on this conversation. You've been patiently listening to these incredible stories of what we hear so much of uh, from across the country, from those that are diagnosed with cancer. And I want to ask you, as far as what you're hearing right now and why this is so important, this education on colorectal cancer,
3: Dr. Rogers. Um, thanks again for having me, Juan. So unfortunately, this is a story that I haven't been hearing ever since I started. So how I even got into this work um, is my aunt was actually diagnosed with colorectal cancer, or as I say, CRC um, in the fall of 2009. And at that time, growing up in the black community, I never heard about it. I only heard about prostate cancer for black men and breast cancer mm-hmm. for Black women. So when I heard about it then, and she got it at age fifty-two, got into the literature to really learn that in two thousand eight, the screening age is actually recommended to be lowered to forty-five because we, as Black people, we get it at an earlier, we get at an earlier age, and we get it at a more advanced stage. Um, and so if you're you're probably a little just as old as me, if you remember, there was a reality TV show called I Love New York. You Remember <laughs> that show? I remember
0: that show really well. <laughs>
3: Yeah. So if you recall, there were two brothers on that show named, um, and one of them was named Real. He's, and they ended up making their own show called Real Chance of Love. Yes. Where Real ended up getting CRC at 31, and he has the exact same stories um, that our, my other colleagues had in terms of getting misdiagnosed numerous times. Um, And so uh, I've been staying with this area in terms of younger people for quite a bit. So it's unfortunate that it took the the death of um, brother uh, Chadwick to bring this back to the light again. But hopefully we can actually make a difference this time.
0: And Dr. Rogers, let's talk about that. I want to I want to ask Fernando and Shannon, when you heard about Chadwick's story and the fact that he came out and you found out that he passed away from colon cancer, what went through your mind, Shannon?
2: Well, first of all, I had a huge crush on him, so I'm not going to mention, well, I, am, I already mentioned <laughs> that. But um, <laughs> it, when I lose anyone, I'm very active in this community and I've been an advocate and I've been fighting to have my voice heard as an African, well, I'm, a, I'm Jamaican, so I'm of African descent. And I've been fighting to have my voice heard to raise awareness of the fact that we're at increased risk. And the larger nonprofits are not pushing that and i feel it's something that is necessary like if you have an if you have a whole group of people that are higher risk they need to be represented and they need to be advocated for and i've been pushing for that so when this happened i felt like we failed him like we sh- he should have known he was in, at risk he should have known what symptoms he was experiencing he should not have been diagnosed at stage 3 and then gone to stage four. But past that, what I see him as, yes, he was Black Panther. Yes, he's this amazing actor. Yes, he's the superhero to these young children growing up. But to me, he became even more of a superhero because he kept going and filming these amazing roles despite his suffering, just like I went and did my career and my college degree and my master's degree and now my career you're able to, relate to it. You are able to
0: relate to that
2: absolutely and i watched black Panther the other night i bought it on amazon and i watched it three times in a row and then i watched you know the tribute which was beautiful and i cried the entire time and i kept on watching and i'm like how is this guy not wincing in pain how is he not out of breath like how is he doing this and you i know what it's like to be sick and you can't tell he's sick. And he's doing these amazing things. that no. Even a healthy person would have a hard time doing. Yeah. So to me, yeah. he's a real life superhero. He really is.
0: And let's, let's bring in Fernando. So Fernando, your thoughts on that and the fact that he went through that. He, he went through filming a few movies and battling this secretly, by the way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: while going through stage three and then of course it progressing to stage four cancer. Your thoughts on that?
1: Well, my thoughts. I remember a few months ago. I remember I saw a, a big main celebrity rapper on his Instagram post a picture of him making fun of him, and I was like, "Oh, that's, that's odd." You know, this guy's. Uh, I I saw it. My first thought was, "Oh, he's he's practicing for a role. He's losing weight because yeah. I saw him so active and you know in the in the movie industry." I said, "Oh, he must be preparing for a role." Last thing I expected was to see that he passed away from colon cancer, and then you know just being mindful now and going back and looking at all these, you know, wheels and stuff and
2: right. watching his
1: speeches and everything else, you know, I can relate because, you know, to this day, it's, it's still a battle because when you deal with that suffering, you almost question yourself. And I know that a lot of people, because I've mentored people in the past, uh, a lot of people give up and they, they lose hope, you know, where I'm grateful that I didn't lose hope. And, and I could relate because he kept on moving forward and he didn't do it. You know, he didn't do it. He didn't want to shine. He wasn't, Bragging about it, he was doing what he needed to do, and most people who are suffering don't really don't want anybody else to know because it's too much. It's too much of a burden, uh, and most patients that I've seen who are dealing with cancer, they do it quietly. They 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 you know they suffer alone, and it's only until after they pass that people figure out you know that they were dealing with, they were battling with something. So uh, I I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you had the segment on on him and honoring him, and because I, I see that there was a major loss. To our community globally, I could see how people, you know, couldn't believe what was going on, and, and at, at this time and in, in, in our in our world, and, and this year with everything that's going on, we needed to to not let his death go in vain, and and let people be Amen. inspired by his story. Definitely.
0: Well, let's let's bring let's bring Dr. Rogers back into this because Dr. Rogers, I know you were speaking out when it came out uh, about Chadwick. Bozeman's passing due to colon cancer, you made sure that you spoke up about this and made sure that you educated others about the importance of getting tested and screening.
3: Yes, sir. This is true.
0: And let's go back to some of the the sad stats here. Okay. Sadly, rates of colon cancer death among black men are 47% higher compared to white men. Why? Why do you believe that's the case, Dr. Rogers?
3: so there's no one answer to that um if we think about some of the actually uh, the risk factors um, unfortunately those tend to be areas where we as black people and more specifically black men we lead Uh, you know we tend to be overweight overweight or obese we tend to have a lack of physical activity we tend to have diets high in in red meat or processed foods i grew up eating a bologna sandwich cutting eggs in the middle Um, smoking alcohol consumption um, being older but but as you can see just being black Um, And so if we consider all those factors in addition to other psychosocial factors, whether it be lack of knowledge, lack of social support from those close to us recommending us getting screened, recommending us going to the doctor, um, as well as racism, not race. So when I say the black piece is more so about those stats that you mentioned so that that we should be more aware that we should be uh, diligent about advocating for ourselves. But at the end of the day, racism still plays a huge role in terms of not getting in terms of us getting mediocre care.
0: And Dr. Rogers, how does someone know if they're at high risk for the disease?
3: Um, so um, to know if they high risk, of course, being black, I think it's definitely, definitely something to consider because of those stats that you mentioned. Um, family history, if you have a family history, then you should get screened um, 10 years before when your family member got colorectal cancer or had um, polyps. Um, those behavioral factors that I mentioned are also um, considered key and then just the symptoms like your body will always warn you if something's wrong with it. And so some of the symptoms that could be associated with CRC that some of my colleagues on the, on the meeting on our, on our time today talked about is a change in your bowel habits that last more than a few days. You know, uh, diarrhea, constipation, um, stool the size of an ink pen, rectal bleeding, uh, blood in your stool, dark stools, long lasting cramping or belly pain, fatigue, unintended weight loss. Uh, And that's just a few things to name.
0: And and let's talk about then screening for colon cancer. Fernando and Shannon, I want to bring you in on this conversation again. So Shannon, for instance, Will Smith, uh, of course, he documents everything. So on his 50th birthday, Will Smith in Miami, he actually uh, posted about his first colonoscopy. Here he is right here. He recorded it so uh, people could see how easy it is to get a colonoscopy. And he was a little loopy there uh, right before he went in for the colonoscopy and he came out. And it was something to see and also hear. I mean, here he is, a major celebrity, but talking about the importance of doing so. So Shannon and Fernando, Shannon, let's start with you. Let's talk about the importance of getting a screening for this, whether or not you have symptoms or not. And just you could be a healthy, healthy young adult. But how important is it to get screened?
2: It is absolutely important to get screened. I always say it's better to go through a colonoscopy than to go through chemotherapy and, (laughs) Mm. and the prep, there are new preps. So a lot of people don't do the colonoscopy because they're scared of the prep and drinking a gallon of fluid that doesn't taste great. I'm going to be honest about it, but there are so many new options for preps. There are so many new options for screening. You can do the fit test, which is like, a stool sample, a test for blood. Um, That's for people who aren't at high risk and don't have a family history. For those who have a family history and are high risk, I would definitely say do a colonoscopy. And I'm also going to say something. I was stage 3C, and my cancer did not show up on a CT scan. So a colonoscopy is the best thing to do, and nothing beats it, because you're having your doctors see everything with their own eyes and taking a tissue sample. And no scan can do that and no test is that accurate. There is also ColoGuard, which you have shipped to you and you ship it back. There's preps now that you drink two little bottles of fluid that don't taste that bad, you know? And it doesn't have you going to the bathroom like crazy, like what people are scared of doing. So I I would say not only to to push the fact of a colonoscopy isn't that bad. I mean, you get the best sleep in your life and you have no idea what's going on. And you wake up and you're like, are you gone?
0: Oh, it was great. It was great. It was great.
2: (laughs) I've I've done, I've done at least eight colonoscopies since my diagnosis back in 2011, I do one every year because I have never had, I have never had a clean scope. I always have polyps. And when I was first diagnosed, I mean, Dr. um, Dr. Rogers would know like when I was first diagnosed in that one foot section they took out, I had between Mm -hmm. 15 to 25 polyps at 29. And I've never had a clean scope since. So they're thinking that I have something genetic. There's definitely something in my body. And so doing an annual colonoscopy for me is me preserving my life because I'm preventing this thing from coming back. I told my doctors, I said, if this thing comes back, it's not coming back in my colon. So it's gonna have to be extra sneaky for me and I get everything checked. So I am am a big advocate for for colonoscopy. definitely.
0: Amen. and Fernando, let's talk about as far as men are concerned, because, of course, there are a lot of men that are scared to get a colonoscopy. It's that stigma attached with it. And I know when I got mine and I documented documented it online, I know somewhere asked me about the whole, you know, so how's it? What are they doing to your butt down there and all this other yeah, stuff?
1: You know how I, I, want,
0: I want you to talk about <laughs> that, though, because the stigma attached to that. And there are a lot of men that are scared to do that. So talk about as a man, the importance of getting one. And what you go through?
1: Well, men, any man who's out there, any man who's out there listening to this, and I see a couple of ladies commenting, they're gonna send their husbands after this to, to go get a colonoscopy. <laughs> Look, you know, these are the same guys who are afraid of the dentist. You know, they're afraid of a bunch of things. Your life depends on it. You know, uh, that's right. At what age? At what age should you do it? At the second you start feeling, you know, that you have that you're not that you're not regular. Also, be, we have to be mindful. You know, some of us are raised and some really tough socioeconomic, you know, situations where our our uh, diets were not very good. So, you know, and the American diet, uh, a lot of processed foods, a lot of eating out, a lot of sugar, uh, alcohol, tobacco, you name it. So we all have underlying conditions and this is the diet that we're following in America. So I would suggest that any man, you know, in his 30s, if you're feeling anything or even a you have the insurance or you have the wherewithal to go ahead and get checked, demand that you get checked because it's a lot easier to to find out you have nothing or to find out in early stages that you can treat something and correct the situation and not have to deal with the whole chemo and operations and, and right. everything else that comes up after that.
0: Yeah, that's what Shannon said. It's better to deal with this now than have to deal with chemotherapy later and dr rogers i want to bring you back into the conversation in light of the debate to get screened at age 50 versus earlier at age 45 In your professional opinion when should black adults get
3: screened for colon cancer so let me do my non-professional opinion first i think (laughs) non-professionally that we as blacks should start getting screened at 35 um these these rates of colon cancer increasing among Young people are exponential and they've been happening since the early nineties, the early nineties. So now back to professional. So based on the professional recommendation for black people that was put forth by most recently by the American Cancer Society in 2018, uh, we're recommending age 45 for all. So that's what I would recommend for African-Americans, unless you have a family history. If you have a family history, again, which is consider age 40 or 10 years before the age of their family member that actually got it. Okay.
0: And, and also I want to know about uh, screening options for people that don't have health insurance. Shannon mentioned a few of those. And, and I think Fernando did as well, but uh, Dr. Rogers, what are some of those options? Because a lot of people are like, well, listen, I don't have health insurance or I don't have health insurance. that's going to cover uh, me getting a colonoscopy. So what are some options?
3: Right, um, so Fernando, they definitely pointed out uh, some of, the, and I think Shannon did as well. Um, there's two. There's two very accurate types of screening exams that they take blood in a stool with a small spear of your stool with a small smear of your stool, as Barry commented in the chat. And so we have the FIT, FIT, as well as the FOBT, and both of these are stool exams, and they usually cost you less than 30 bucks a few more dollars just for processing and so you know we think about this you know this issue among younger people if we can get more people to consider the fit which is less invasive you can do it in the privacy of your own home um, and it's cheaper then that can be definitely a better option another addition for people that don't have screening is some states have funding from the cdc or local gastro or gastro organizations actually that provide free colonoscopies Um, so you know You never know till you look and see, but there are definitely options out there.
0: All right. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Rogers. Very important uh, information there and insight there. And also, we want to make sure that uh, before we wrap all this up, we want to provide you with some resources, some very important resources, as we always like to do here on Voices uh, for you. So check out the Voices section on NBC6.com for more information on colon cancer screening St- uh, statistics and even a number of ways to help reduce your risk, uh, as you heard there from those that have been through it. Um, Dr. Rogers, Shannon, Fernando, thank you so much for being here for this all-important you, conversation. But don't go anywhere just yet, because we want to make sure that we honor uh, our king uh, who passed away—a king—and we're talking about Chadwick Boseman, uh, the Black Panther star. Uh, is being remembered as a, a gifted artist, a gentleman, and a superhero in the eyes of so many. His kindness, his talent, and generosity will be missed. Chadwick Bozeman will also be a treasured uh, civil rights fighter as well, a role model and a king. Chadwick Bozeman will be missed. And also before we go, I would like to dedicate this show to my mother, who is battling Uh, colon cancer, stage three colon cancer. And she is my hero. And she put up the Wakanda salute there. This is today at her chemotherapy treatment. The other picture shows this is her fifth round of chemotherapy. She has another round to go, but she has always been my wonder woman ever since I was a little kid. I always looked at her as my strength and inspiration. And mom, you're doing the dang thing. I love you, you are my hero. And next, I would like to also dedicate this show to a friend of mine who passed away this year from colon cancer. Jason Smarts Townsend passed away at an early age at only 46. My brother, I think about you all the time. My fraternity brother, yo-yo, you will be missed. Thank you for your education and your insight, Jason Townsend. This (laughs) is dedicated to you and my mother. And everyone, I wanna thank you so much for joining us for this all important conversation. I hope you learned something from this. I hope that you go out there and you get tested. You heard Shannon's story and you can find Shannon online. You can read more about (laughs) Shannon's story. And I tell you, it is powerful when you read about it. (laughs) Fernando has an incredible story. And also Dr. Rogers, thank you so much for your research, man. Uh, It is so important in our community. Thank you for continuing to do what you do. Don't stop doing it. And thank you all out there for watching NBC6 Voices on this very important conversation. You can thank follow me you. on nbc 6 on Twitter. Let me know what you thought about the show on Facebook or Twitter. And remember, have a great day. Be blessed and education is the key to success. Don't forget that. Have a great day. Thank you.
3: Thank you.